Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is a brand new Monday edition as the offseason continues on Flyers Daily and every Monday throughout the season, the offseason and much more. It is Bill Meltzer's time and he joins us right now. Check his work out at PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com and HockeyBuzz.com. Bill, we're removing ourselves from the first round or from the regular season and watching the first round of the playoffs and it's always so stark. You go, man, you feel so far away when you watch the playoffs because it's such a different game. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the pace and the intensity, you know, pick up to uh, several notches. The uh, And it just feels so hard sometimes to just get shots through, right? It, 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 because everybody, everybody pays the price to block shots. And uh, you get the, all those multi-overtime games and, all, all the stuff that goes in the playoff hockey, every feels like every uh, hit is controversial. Every everything, everything gets magnified, and it, and it does. It just it, it feels like if you exit the regular season, you just it just feels miles away. It really does. It yeah, it just it's just such a different game. But I think there's a lot to be learned from it, Bill, because the way to build a team and to survive four rounds in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I mean, just to survive round one these days yes. is no easy task. I look at that Tampa Toronto series, you know, Ryan O'Reilly scores a goal to tie it with the goaltender pulled. Then Morgan that. Riley, O'Reilly and Riley gets the game winner in overtime on kind of an innocuous, you know, play to the net with a, a just a wrist shot from the blue line. But I feel like there's so much to learn in, in how you should build a roster uh, to have success in the playoffs. And I think the the biggest thing, the overarching thing that I come up with is, depth and character those seem to be the two most important elements that if you don't have those you got no chance not for sure for sure and uh and of course the deeper you go into the playoffs when all the attrition takes hold particularly on the blue line you know you're going to lose defensemen along the way and um you know you go back to that uh you can look at flyers history 2004 you know, where Sammy Kapanen had to go back and play defense. And, um, you know, all, all of a sudden, Team Anders playing 20 minutes a night in the playoffs because you're, you're so riddled with injuries. And then you go back, oh, you know, wish they hadn't traded Weimrich at the deadline, you know, that, that, yeah. kind, of, that kind of thing. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of, I mean, in the playoffs, you need, you need, definitely need depth. You definitely need character. You need some puck luck too, right? There, it's, there's there's going to be some, Games that really could swing either way. Um, it, that the, the Tampa Toronto series is a great example of that. Um, you know, very very easily Tampa Bay could be looking up up two games to one, could go three to one at home. Now they're just trying to draw even, take it back to Toronto. It, it's um, you know, and the game so easily. I mean, Tampa Bay really controlled most of last game and held them to what 21, 22 shots of regulation. Usually you're, you expect to win a game like that. So, um, you know, you need to probably win a few along the way that you probably shouldn't win. Um, get some bounces going your way, the screen at the right time or, or whatever the case might be. It, it's a hard road. I mean, that 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 um, presents itself over and over again during the playoffs. See, the funny thing is, too, you know, Toronto just gets bludgeoned in game one and their fan yeah. base are lined up on any bridge that goes over water to jump <laughs> off it, right? They're freaking out, but it only counts as one game. And now they yeah. find themselves up two games to one. It's And obviously, the game coming up tonight, game four, is going to be just enormous uh, for that team. But let me ask you about some other elements, because 
like I'm watching Tampa and I, I thought the same thing. And I know the announcers mentioned about Victor, Victor Hebman. Um, to me, he just makes so many calm plays on the ice, his demeanor. And to me, he's probably the best defenseman all around in the NHL, probably since Lidstrom. That's got yeah. hardware to go with it. And I mean, you can look at Dowdy in his prime. It was right there, right? But when I look at Hebman, I, I see a Lidstrom, the heir apparent to Lidstrom. And, you know, having that piece on your blue line that is just so calming and so just can control a game, play a ton of minutes and do it all, I think is another element that you really need. And I just don't know that the Flyers have that guy in their system. Yeah. The, so you the Flyers history, um, right? There, there's Mark Howe and there's everybody else. And that, that yeah. that's, that's a full respect, Derek Desjardins and Kimo team and, you know, and Jimmy Watson was a five-time all-star, but there was, there was only one player who really had that truly elite Norris trophy kind of level. Um, and yeah, I mean, Hedman certainly has that. I, I, one thing that I noticed particularly, particularly with Hedman is just, uh, you, you don't <laughs> If he, if he makes a mistake, he recovers almost immediately. Mm-hmm. But he makes he makes so few, and so so often he ends up on, so so infrequently rather does he end up on the wrong side of the puck. And you expect you expect that when he starts wheeling the puck up ice, you're going to get possession in the offensive zone. Even yeah. even against a team like Toronto, they they just he just moves the puck so so well, and that's uh, that's uh, that's such a weapon. And in today's game, so critical too. And I think on that blue line, he also possesses a skill that I think is really important for for high end defensive players like that. That he's a two way guy. He can defend. He can create offense. He can do it all. Uh, but he never overplays the situation. And he is a master, like Lidstrom was, as a matter of fact, at conserving energy. No wasted energy. No overplaying situations. And then emptying the tank. He just always looks like he's on cruise control. And th- I mean, that's just, I think, hockey IQ and just being a really smart player as well. Um, for sure. And it didn't happen instantly with him. Nope. Um, you know, it, he was a guy that, that took some time as defensemen tend to do, you know. Um, but yeah, it, it just just his level of poise. I mean, you can, you can bring a pretty hard forecheck at him and it doesn't phase him at all. No. You know, he's, he's just... He's so Impact. calm, cool, and collected at all times, and it's it's almost kind of frustrating just watching, thinking, yeah, you're playing against them, right? And how do you how do you approach him? He's so big and strong, and um, quick defensive stick turns turns uh, defense and offense and transition in a hurry. And then when he's up ice, he makes plays too. It's um, you know if you can have that kind of weapon, obviously he he's worth his weight in gold. He really is. Yeah. Um, Bill, over the weekend, uh, the Lehigh Valley Phantom season ended. They wanted to go on a long run. Everybody does. Uh, but they kind of put themselves in jail a little bit with their last week of play and ended up on the road. As we yeah. talked about, you know, in the in the AHL, it's, it's a bit different. The geography rule and playing all three games on the road and uh, six games in 10 days. And it looked like Sam Harrison was just flat out out of gas. And uh, their season ends. Good for those guys to be in the playoff run to get there and get a little bit of experience. We'd have liked to see more, uh, but that didn't happen. But when you look at the Lehigh Valley Phantoms and, and the potential guys to be flyers out of camp next year, if you're looking at a pecking order there of the guys most likely, like is the is the most obvious one Tyson Forster, and he at the top of that list is the one who's got the best chance and very likely will. 
I would say when you add all the all the elements in, yeah, he uh, he finished the season on a tear too. Oh, he um, did. <laughs> between the what is it, between the Flyers and the Phantoms, it's either eleven or twelve games in a row. He, he had a point with in the, the biggest games of the season. So the Phantoms games were as as they clinched the playoff spot. Two goals in Game One of the Charlotte series, uh, one of which is gorgeous toe drag move, gorgeous shot, unstoppable. The other one was a little bit. Of, the other one was maybe a little bit of a lucky goal, but they all count the same. And you, know, you get it on the net, and you never know what's going to happen. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think between his hockey IQ, obviously everybody knows his shooting ability, um, and he and he gets he rounds out his game more and more all the time too. Um, you know, when the Flyers drafted him, he was he was a shooter, and now he's more and more and more a pretty complete player. Um, has good size. He's never going to be. He's never going to be a pure speedster, but he's smart enough to get from point A to point B. I, I think that if you look at all the guys uh, on the Phantoms uh, in terms of their chances for next season, I put him number one. Um, you know, I, I know Tort said he wants to get younger in the blue line, so they'll take a look at several guys. Um, but I, I would say that he has the best shot. And and um, I also say uh, Elliot Denoye would have a shot too. Uh, just I think I think just have a good off season in the gym, put on put on a little bit of mus- muscular weight, and then he's right in the mix too. He led the he led the Phantoms in goals with twenty three in sixty five games. Made more goals yeah. in less games than Tyson Forster did with the Phantoms. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Phantoms Phantoms uh, rookie record. Yeah, twenty three goals, twenty one assists, forty four points in sixty five games for a guy that was taken in the fifth round. Not bad. Um, of those D, you know, Igor Zamula is the guy that you would think probably is the closest, um, but he's having the surgery and he's going to be out a while. He'll have a, a, a recovery off season, but then we'll be able to get ready and we'll be ready in plenty of time for next year. Uh, but really the wild card on that blue line is Emil Andre, isn't it? It It is. Um, you know, he certainly has, has the goods as a puck mover and, and a power play defenseman. Um We'll see how ready he is defensively to play against NHL competition. Um, not just because he's small, just I, I still think there's some adjustments to make there. Maybe you know, hope, maybe hope he'll be wrong. Go have a great camp and hit the NHL and go from there. I, I, I see, I see Andre needing part of a season yeah. in, in the NHL and then maybe coming up. Um, Could it be a to Cam me, York situation. It's different because York was expected to make the team. Right? Maybe Andre's not, but. That could be yeah. the rounding yeah. final round out of his game. Uh, yeah, and I think similar in terms of, you know, maybe he comes up in in December, January, mm-hmm. and then, you know, ready ready to go for a very smart player, very competitive. Um, you know, I I, I think he's not far away at all. Um, I, I'd be pleasantly surprised, but surprised if he makes a team out of camp. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll see. And to me, the other the other X factor is uh, Ronnie Adder because. You know, Adder's a little bit, a little bit of an older defenseman. Um, you know, he remember he was drafted at age twenty, um, yeah. so you know, a few years older than the other guys. Spent a couple of years in Western Michigan. Uh, to me, the, to me, the the question is, okay, what more does he have to gain in the American League? He was an AHL All Star this year, and and I, I thought he was, I thought he was pretty darn good in games one and two of that that Charlotte series too. I've seen him, you know, we've seen him at the NHL level. 
He is still kind of raw in some areas. I, I think I think you need to do it at the NHL level, though. Yeah. Um, the American League game is kind of a different game. So I'm, I'm interested to see how Ronnie does in camp and uh, how close he comes to making the team. And then I think you'll see NHL games next year. The question is, you know, how much of the season, right? Most of the season, part of the season? I don't know. Uh, he's uh, he's he's a guy that I'll be watching, you know, when, when camp comes around. Um, Bobby Brink's another guy that we've seen at the NHL level, not this year. Uh, he finally did come back, got in 41 games, had 12 goals, 16 assists, 28 points, had a great assist, and I think it was game one of the playoff series as well down yeah. low. Um, but to me, he's looking like a guy that, seems like he needs to start in Lehigh Valley next year and really see where he is. Cause he's not going to wow torch with that skating. No, no, that's <laughs> um, the, the, the half season there in the AHL when he was coming back from the hip. Um, I think, I think it was kind of a blessing in disguise uh, by, by the end of the season. Um, he looked like he was back to where he was a year ago. Yeah. Um, the thing is that where he was a year ago, I don't know if that would have been good enough for torts at that point. Yeah. So, yeah, he's he's not you know being being as small as he is, um, and you're right, he's, he's not going to wow towards with his, his skating. It's going to have to be with his smarts and his creativity. Um, does he get the minutes? <laughs> you know yeah. that, that that's a big part of it too. If he's if he's playing ten minutes a game, it's going to be hard for him to produce to a level where he's going to you know be able to hold a job down because he's because he has certain built-in disadvantages in his game. Um, but clearly, clearly a smart and highly skilled player. Um, really down the stretch, he was making a lot of really nice plays for the Phantoms. Um, obviously, had the uh, Hobie Baker finalist the year before too. Highly, highly skilled player uh, in terms of NHL readiness. I, I, again, I think that's a, that's a, a wait and see. But he's he's another guy who, you know, the, I mean, they're you know. Hit, I wish you could take a little bit from this guy and a little bit from that guy sometimes, you know, yeah. obviously you can't, but um, yeah, I mean, Brink, I, I think Brink by the end of the season um, raised his stock from where he was probably in the lead up to that. Cause I didn't, he didn't, he, he didn't look like he was back to the level he was at a year ago until I'd say about the final 10 games or so that he played. I thought, okay, yeah, he's, he's back where he's back where he was last year. Bill, um, Let's talk about one of the, the the more, I guess, controversial ones from the Phantoms, and that is Sam Erson. He's got one more year left on his contract. Uh, he's got an AAV, NHL AAV of 925. And, you know, obviously the coaching staff likes him. We saw some really solid play out of him. Does he Is he the backup comes at the start of next season, or does he still need to play more and play with the Phantoms because it's obvious who your number one is and, you know, Carter Hart wants to play anywhere between 58 and 65 games a year. Well, I mean, everybody's always developing, getting better, but I, uh, I think, I think he's ready to back up Carter Hart, whether it's 25 games or whatever the case might be. Yeah, I do um, too. Certainly wasn't lacking for minutes this year. Um, I, I blogged about the other day. He shattered his career high in minutes that he had in Sweden. Between playoffs and regular season, it was on like 700 more minutes than he'd ever played before. Oof. So he had like about 33,100 something minutes this year. So he 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 played a lot. He played a lot of goal this year, and uh, and he faded at the end. But that that's because he played so many minutes. Yeah. Well, one of the things, Bill, he may have been 
one of the causes for the Flyers to be an overage when it came to bonuses of $1.1 million. And if I'm correct, that overage now comes off their cap for next year. Does. And, you know, the, the thing about the overage is this, Bills, it, it, maybe you can lend some more detail on this, but it's a tough look when you had the seventh worst record in the league and you were over the cap. You had an overage. And with Couturier not playing all year, Atkinson not playing all year, you know, it, it, there's a couple things in sports that I believe it's never good to be expensive or bad and expensive. <laughs> you know, if you're going to be bad, don't be expensive. But yeah, this overage is is a tough look. It is. Uh, I, I mean, flyers right now are not contenders, so it's not going to, you know, it, it's not going to hurt. But it, but it, it's just it's it's never a good the look optics. when it happens. Yeah, yeah so the optics of it. Um, you know, I mean, Montreal's on the same boat. Montreal's very similar overage to where the Flyers were. Uh, now you, you can live with it if you're Boston. They were they had about a four point five million dollar overage. That, that that's a big that's a big hit on their cap next year. But still, if you're a contender and you win the go and win the cup or whatever, you live with you it, okay. right? Yeah, yeah. But, but if you're where the Flyers were, where Montreal was, yeah, to to be over the cap by a million plus, almost one point two million in the Flyers' case, you know, yeah, it hurts. Um, and, and it comes about because of long-term injured reserve. Um, you know, because you get the temporary allowance to go over to go over the cap during the season. And you manage it to stay within the season cap. But then when the bonuses are paid out at the end of the season, and uh, the only players that are eligible for bonuses are players on entry-level deals and over 30, over 35. So it was, um, I believe it was Cates, it was York, and it was Braun who uh, who collected bonuses this year. Um, and then then also hurts, you know, you can't move JVR. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it would have balanced it out, but it would have close to balanced it out so that it helped. There wouldn't, you know, so it would have helped. So there wouldn't have been a penalty on, on, on the cap for the Flyers. I wonder if taking Brendan Lemieux plays into that too. If had you not taken Brendan Lemieux, it would have helped. That's another, that's another. Yeah, that's another chunk of salary you paid out at the end of the year. Yeah, uh, and um, yeah, I mean everything adds up. Um, you know, the only thing the only thing that directly caused it was the long term injury reserve for Ellis. But you also figure, okay, you know, Katori didn't play a single game, and Atkinson didn't play a single game, and even though they didn't go in long term, you're still calling guys up during the season. You're filling, you're filling in for them all season long. You, you know, you, um, uh, Lucas said like they claim him off waivers, right? They they claim yeah. Bellows off of waivers. That that's money that goes on your cap during the season. So yep. all, all of that all of that adds up, and and some of it's beyond their control, and the other part of just being it, but it you know, it's just it, it's gall it's galling to end up in that spot, but uh, you know then you look at fifteen out of the thirty two teams, almost half the league was in that boat because because of the flat cap, so that that yeah. plays into it too. Yeah, no doubt, and, and you look at a team like Montreal who suffered a lot of injuries too. That adds more call ups, more claims, and all that kind of stuff. Um. Let's talk about the president of hockey operations, Bill, because that's that's what's on the on the stove right in front of us right now, and it's yeah. simmering. You know, we're getting reports from all over the place, incredible reporters of of some of the names that have been talked to, whether that's Scott Mellenby, which seems obvious to me in a standard structured front office, and then you have names like uh, Emily Constangay, who's with the uh, Vancouver Canucks right now as an assistant GM. Um, so you'd have to have to assume that the role that she's interviewing for is the president role. 
And then, you know, and she's she was the first female agent in the NHL um, and is apparently great with contracts and all of that stuff. But when when you look at some of the names that you're seeing out there, I know that uh, Doug Wilson's another name that wants to get back in and Hall of Fame defenseman with the Chicago Blackhawks. Been all those years, very successful years, although he didn't win a cup in San Jose. Uh, But when you look at the structure that they, they could go with something different here in a power sharing structure, if you will, not the traditional GM reports to the president, president reports to the owner, but yeah. rather kind of a, I don't want to call it a three-headed monster, but I'll call it a three-headed monster for lack of a better term. Danny Briere's here. He's hockey roster decisions, uh, team building. Uh, president here, whether that's Mellenby, Gay, whoever that might end up being. Yeah. Um, and then Valerie Camillo on the side of business, president and all that. And they all report to one person, which is Dan Helferty, but they don't report to each other. Is that something you could see happening? Because I know Billy King's involved in this search, and Billy has always been a very outside-the-box thinker. He's a brilliant yeah. guy. Say, I know Sixer fans go, oh, his tenure here wasn't good, blah, blah. He's a very smart man. So is that something you could see taking place? It's, I mean, it's a different kind of structure. It's not your tra- yeah. traditional structure. Um, you know, you could try something outside the box, and it, and it may work. Um you know, I, it, it's, I mean, people are saying you're looking for something, well, <laughs> well, it better, it better work, right? If you yeah. do it. Um, I mean, uh, you know, I, I tend to lean towards more the traditional kind of structure of which, a, of which a, a Wilson would be that, uh, you know, would be that kind of a higher, it, it's not, I mean, you know, when we put the name out there too, it, it doesn't sound like Ray Shiro is interested or, or available or whatever because that that's all kind of cooled down and maybe maybe before all said and done his name comes up but um you know he ends up it, in calgary yeah that, that's, that's quite possible too um so you know i i'm not against trying something different um and i'm not against some of the other names that are out there but, but yes it, it, it better work if you do it that's all let me ask you about a name speaking of Calgary that I think would make sense. Cause this guy went through a very similar situation and that's Brad tree living. And when the off season and he lost Johnny Gaudreau and he knew Kachuk wasn't going to stay, we were talking about, you know, executive of the year, Brad tree living because yeah. he swings that deal with Florida, he extends Huberto. He's got, you know, he's got this team does the does more than a lot of people expected he could with what he was about to lose and did lose. He decides I'm not going to keep moving forward with Calgary he was in that same situation as the GM with a president who really helped him along the way. And that was Brian Burke, who just got let yeah. go in Pittsburgh, obviously. Yeah. Um, but is that a name that intrigues you? Apparently, from a culture standpoint, he's a really good man. A lot of people will yeah. follow him wherever he goes because of the, the way he treats his staff and the way he carries himself as a professional. For first class guy. Um, yep. When I when I was with NHL.com, um, we did you know, they did a prospect series every year and, uh, I talked to directors of player personnel, head of scouting, whoever did that for, you know, organization at the time. And Brad was just so impressive. I mean, he, not only did he know their system top to bottom, he knew everybody's system top to bottom. Yeah. He, he you could really, tell he was a rising star. Yeah. Yeah. He really knows the league. And that, that's something where, boy, I mean, you could you could just see that this is a bright guy, a bright hockey guy, and yeah, first class guy too. I mean, really, just a really good person. So, uh, to me, that's a name where you can get him 
you to me you almost couldn't go wrong with them. Doesn't mean the organization can't go wrong, but I'm just saying as, as a hire, as rock solid hire, absolutely. I mean, if, if you can get him, he's he's instant shortlist to me. Yeah, to me, he's a guy that could could very well graduate, if you will, into that president's role yeah. as well. So yeah, for sure. Uh, just maybe a name to keep an eye on. I don't know if they're, you know, if they've reached out to him or what the situation is, or if they have to wait till the league years over with his situation. I have no idea, but um, it's an interesting name that as soon as I saw the situation there, I thought, oh man, that'd be a guy I would definitely want to talk to. Um, Bill, let's move off of the offseason changes that are going to take place and additions and subtractions and all that. Um, one of the things we talk about quite a bit are, you know, a checklist of what's most important and what needs to be done. We talked about some of the guys from the Phantoms that could graduate to the NHL level next year, provided the Flyers do exactly what Torts has said is, you know, backfill on the roster a little bit and have a, a fair amount of subtraction, whether that's Kevin Hayes, Tony D'Angelo, whoever it might be. But when you look at it overall, you know, what, what's kind of at the top of that list to get done before training camp of next year? You, you know, he's not going to name a captain and we're yeah. still going to go in with a lot of variables that we are not going to know the answer to it, most importantly, Sean Couturier and Cam Atkinson, we're not going to know that answer. But when you, you know, what, what are the big storylines of this offseason to accomplish, in your opinion, other than the front office? I mean, since you're. I want to I want to keep moving forward. We're putting them in a position. We have another group of young players. And mind you, just because the guy took a step forward this year doesn't mean they're all going to continue. Yeah, you know, guys can take a backward step, but to me, I, I'd like to see them have those opportunities for those players to step forward next year. And I think the other thing the Flyers need to do, regardless of who's here, is you know, and and, and we looked at um, the key to the key to building a team that can overachieve and continue to build. So much of it comes from your your two hundred foot game, and. Mm-hmm. Five on five. I really, I, I, I want to see the Flyers become a little quicker, a little better possession team. That's just, just so much in today's game is about possession, and and, and I watch these playoff series, and, and and through the season you watch the better teams, and they just don't end up with so many shifts where they have to work so hard to get out of their zone. Three, four, five attempts, right? Um, just just see the Flyers position the roster so that they. Are a little bit better able to and 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 I mind you again, you know you're not getting you're not getting big name guys, so yeah. it, it's going to have to come from guys who, who play particular roles. But I, that, that's something that I would like to see. I'd like to see the Flyers be a team that doesn't just have to work so hard to get up the ice and get in the offensive zone, and, and work so hard to try and get a goal. And then and yeah, and, and I think that 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 might still be the case for a while yet though, yeah. uh, as, as you're trying to develop talent, but just, uh, just, just to take the process another step further, you know, that that's where I would like to see them get to as a next step. Yeah. To me, you're right. One of my key philosophical things about the game at any level is control the puck, control the game. And when you're chasing the puck, you're chasing the game. And then when you do get the puck, like you'll just throw it to alleviate pressure but you're still not controlling the puck. You have to, it goes back to Hedman, right? (laughs) He he doesn't panic with the puck just to get rid of it and exit the zone, puts his team in a situation to move up the ice and control the puck into the offensive zone. Um, But that's Tampa and that's a different ball game. Um, Last thing, Bill, I'm 
obsessed, officially obsessed with the Tankathon draft lottery simulator. I'm performing this now multiple times a day just to see how many times it takes me to get to the Flyers. Not even at two. I want one. <laughs> you know, I'm being greedy, damn it. Yeah, yeah. And the one thing that's disturbing me the most, because just about as many times as the Flyers end up with number one, the Washington freaking Capitals end up yeah. with number one. Now, they only have a half a percent chance less than the Flyers landing the number one pick. Yeah. But that is a nightmare scenario. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I had one and I, I posted it on Twitter. I saw this. Uh, where the Pittsburgh Penguins, they they jumped a maximum ten spots, so they just they jumped uh, from fourteen to four, <laughs> and the Flyers and, uh, went to nine, right? Yeah, and 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 the Caps, the Caps got uh, the number two pick. I think Anaheim picks first, but boy, that's a nightmare scenario right there. So so Bedard goes to Anaheim, Fantilli goes to the Caps, and then at four. The Penguins, they either grab Meechkoff and he comes right over because it's the Penguins yeah. and Malkins there and that whole thing, or they, they end up with Leo Carlson. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that as a Flyers fan, that, that would that would not be uh, not be fun to see. But the Flyers dropping the number nine on top of it because yeah. two teams behind them jump up. Oh, that's the nightmare scenario for sure. Uh, but yeah, I'm just oh, I, I'm counting down the days. I'm not sure how many days it is now. It's coming up on. May 8th. I'll give you the official countdown here because I have it right in my favorites on my phone because I'm, I'm an idiot. 13 days, 21 hours, 51 minutes. Uh, well, it's 14 days from when we're taping, but it'll be 13 when people listen. So it's less than two weeks away. We'll know the fate of Connor Bedard, and hopefully it's a one-way ticket to the Delaware Valley. We shall see. All right, that's going to put a wrap on it. Uh, we're going to have more player interviews coming up this week. We'll have features as well. Tons to get to. Uh, this off season. So next week, I think we should do an Ask Billy episode. We'll do that for uh, next week's Monday edition. Rebuild stuff at PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. We'll talk to everybody coming up on Wednesday on a brand new edition of Flyers Daily. World is flooding down in Texas.